Well, good morning, Sacred Mission Church. Um, man, this is an unusual Sunday, and so I thought I'd be kind of in a unusual place, typically think of, of gathering as a church. And I'm just reminded, just being outside, the beauty of, of being out here on a fall day is that the church is not a place. We usually have the privilege of meeting in the Collins Maxwell Elementary School, and the church is not that place. The, the church is not us kind of coming into a building. The, the church is Jesus building a people and building us together. And so today we're, we're uniquely gathering online only. And just the whole, the whole reason for that is the last couple of weeks we've been having, it seems like an increasing amount of people just in our community being sick. And we just wanted to, to make sure that we weren't accidentally spreading anything. And Lord willing, it looks like a lot of people are recovering really well. Just keep praying that, that we'd be healthy and be able to, our plan is be back together next Sunday, October 17th. And if you're not feeling well, we would love the opportunity just to care for you and to care for each other. Um, man, my, my prayer is just during this time that it would be a time that we would really maybe even look back and say, that was one of our finest hours, the way that with all the uncertainty and disappointments and cancellations and all that stuff that we were able to truly love one another and serve one another and and be able to to shine brightly as a community together and so so i hope to see us all in person next sunday october 17th so today we've been for seven weeks in uh john chapter 7 and john chapter 8 and for seven weeks jesus has been in jerusalem during the feast of booths the Feast of Booths, just a quick reminder, is when they're celebrating as an entire nation, celebrating how God led them as an entire people out of slavery during the time of Moses uh, and really kept them alive while they were out in the middle of the desert and then led them safely into the promised land. And so, so at, as a reminder too, Jesus wasn't going to publicly go to Jerusalem. And uh, verse one of John chapter seven, it's been seven weeks since we've been, well, well, we were preaching for seven weeks in this section, but we took a break during the summer. So it was actually the beginning of June that we were in verse one of chapter seven. And this is what um, verse one of chapter seven says, after this, Jesus went about in Galilee. He would not go about in Judea because the Jews were seeking to kill him. Now the Jews' feast of booths was at hand. So his brothers said to him, Leave here and go to Judea that your disciples also may see the works you are doing. For no one works in secret if he seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world his biological brothers are saying to him, for not even his brothers believed him, verse five says. Jesus said to them, my time has not yet come, but your time is always here. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify about it, that its works are evil. You go up to the feast. I am not going up to this feast, for my time has not yet fully come. After saying this, he remained in Galilee. Verse 10, but after his brothers had gone up to the feast, then he also went up, not publicly, but in private. Jesus's own brothers, biological brothers, are taunting him to go to Jerusalem to be killed. 
And at this time, even they don't believe that Jesus is the savior of the world. Now, interestingly, one of his brothers, James, will become one of the great leaders of the early church and be one of the first people martyred as a leader of the church. So just a huge turnaround when James actually sees Jesus risen from the dead, changes everything for him. But Jesus tells them, hey, I'm not going to take your bait. It's not my time publicly to go to Jerusalem. I will publicly go to Jerusalem to die for the sins of the world. It's not my time yet. I still have a lot of work to do. Um, and then uh, his brothers go up to the feast, it says. And this is just a kind of an interesting tidbit, but uh, it says that they're going up to the feast. Well, they're going north in the Sea of Galilee down to Jerusalem. So you typically say they're going down to the feast, not up to the feast. What's crazy is that the Sea of Galilee um, it is at uh, the elevation of the Sea of Galilee is 695 feet below sea level. And then the elevation of Jerusalem is 2,474 feet above sea level. So in just a matter of, of 70 miles or so, they're going up over 3,000 feet of elevation. And so, so for them to say we're going up to Jerusalem was talking about their... Um, them walking up in elevation. And then uh, Jesus says he's not going up there publicly, but he does go up there privately. Uh, verse 14 tells us that Jesus can't help himself. He must speak. He must teach. He is there for them and he's there for us. He's here to teach. And this is what's so crucial in this section of seven and eight of chapters of John is that he's here to teach of uh, teach us of a far greater slavery. He's here to teach us and show us a far greater rescue from slavery. And he's here to show us a far greater promised land that he's leading us into. And so um, here's what's coming, must be known by all. The Feast of Booths is a perfect time. So verse 14 says, uh, verse 14 of chapter seven says, about the middle of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and began teaching. And he will be teaching during all this time. And the people who are pushing back against Jesus' teaching are not the atheists. They're not the people that's just like, oh, I don't believe any of that stuff. It's the people who have a whole convinced way of thinking of God apart from Jesus. These are the people that are so against Jesus, are the people who have a way of thinking that they're just settled in their minds. This is the way God is. This is the way God works. And they're settled apart from Jesus. And um, Jesus is replete, repeatedly teaching them. And he's teaching us that all of us are going to die in our sins if we don't live in Jesus and die in Jesus. And Jesus is offering life and he was just last week telling us that Abraham was given so many promises. The many promises that Abraham was given was because he recognized God and he believed what God told him. He took God at his word um, and he, he, he received these promises. And what we were told in Romans chapter four, uh, then told last week, is that those who are, who are believing God, taking God at his word as it relates to, to faith, as it relates to Jesus, are those who are following Abraham because they're believing God like Abraham did. And so now in verse 48 
of John 8 is where we're at. And Jesus has been having this conversation with people about Abraham. And, and th this is uh, their response to Jesus in verse 48 of chapter 8. The Jews answered him, Are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? They first associate Jesus with the most disliked people in Israel, the Samaritans. And on top of that, they claim that the power that Jesus is getting is because a demon is controlling him. So they, they are not repenting. They are not believing God like Abraham took God at his word. And uh, they insult him again. They insulted his mother. Now they're calling him a Samaritan and saying he has a demon. And re Jesus responds to them, not at their level, but he levels with them again. Verse 49, Jesus answered, I don't have a demon, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. Verse 50, there is one who seeks it and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. Abraham honored God. He honored God the Father. And here the very Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, is being greatly dishonored. Jesus even says that the Father is seeking glory in the Son. The Father, you could even say the Father is very much into the fame of Jesus. The Father wants Jesus to be famous. Now, it's not fame in the, like, America's Got Talent. It's, it's not fame in kind of this American way that's, that's kind of shallow, is not indicative of the whole person and stuff. But glory, fame, renown in a genuine way where Jesus is the one that we should be talking about. Jesus is the one that we should be centered on, the one should, that we should be devoting our attention to. And the, the one who seeks the glory of the Son, the Father, we're told here, is the judge. That one day, the Father will judge every person for how they receive Jesus, how they receive his Son offered for us. The Father gave us his very best. There's nothing else he could look around and find to send for our redemption than his son. Those who keep Jesus' word or take, take Jesus at his word, believing him, responding to him, will never see death. Now, this is a true death, spiritual death. So we will all likely die before Jesus returns. Those who die in Jesus, what death is going to be is a quick doorway to life. So when we die, we will experience life, life eternal. Those who die in Jesus see life, but those who reject Jesus, death is a doorway to a greater more profound death 
a spiritual death, a separation from God, a physical death that never ends. So those who don't respond to Jesus's words, who don't take Jesus at his word, those who reject, reject Jesus for a lifetime, what they see is death. Jesus is leveling with them and all who will ever hear his words. And their response to Jesus in verse 52 is the Jews said to him, now we know that you really have a demon. Abraham died as did the prophets. Yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Verse 53, are you greater than our father Abraham who died and the prophets died? Who do you make yourself out to be? And these people just did not have ears to hear that they were talking to someone better than Moses. They didn't have ears to hear that they were talking to someone greater than Abraham. Even though prophecies about the anointed one, prophecies about the Messiah in Daniel, in Isaiah, and other places were clear that the one who is coming would be someone greater than Abraham. Even David says, the one who is coming, I will call him my Lord as, as one of the, probably the, the, the most famous greatest king that Israel ever had. And David is saying, he will be my king. But they had their minds made up apart from Jesus, who they were going to follow. And man, I just feel like so often we are this way, we can be this way, is that we have our minds made up apart from Jesus for what defines us. Or we have our minds made up apart from Jesus for what we think will give us joy. We have our minds made up apart from Jesus for how we think God interacts with us. We have our minds made up apart from Jesus for how we will gain heaven. We have our minds made up and they're asking Jesus to explain himself, but explain yourself in a way that we've already put you in a box, in a less than Abraham box. Uh, then Jesus answered them in uh, verse 54. Jesus says, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God, but you don't know him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, you're not yet 50 years old. And have you seen Abraham? I feel like they're like getting it. Like they're starting to get and understand what Jesus is talking about. They're, 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 they're hearing him correctly. The things that he is saying here, Jesus speaks so personally of the father because he has a personal relationship with the father, an intimate relationship with the father and the spirit. Jesus can't lie and he doesn't want to lie. He's not playing hide and go seek. He's not speaking in all of these, these um, you know, riddles and stuff where, where only like the most like Sherlock Holmes person can understand him. He's speaking clearly. He's, he's, his words are dense in, in the fact that he's not mincing words, 
but he is speaking clearly. He doesn't lie. He doesn't want to lie. He knows that he knows the father and they don't. He knows that they don't because if they really knew the father, they wouldn't be trying to kill his son. Abraham looked forward to the day that Jesus would come. Abraham understood the prophecies. He understood God was talking to him and he looked forward to that day. Abraham with gladness looked forward to our day. With gladness, Abraham looked forward to the treasures that we live in. That if we believe, we know we have everlasting life because we have put our faith in Jesus, the savior of the world. And Abraham's day was not like our day, but he looked forward to our day uh, with great joy that we would have such access to our God by the great price that his son paid for us. Jesus spoke in a way that made it clear that he was even there when Abraham looked forward with great joy, when Abraham desired these things. And they can just see, they're seeing with just flesh eyes and they're not able to see with wise, faithful eyes. They don't see that the ancient of days is standing right in front of them. They can't believe that Jesus is saying that he's seen Abraham in Abraham's day. Verse 58 then is uh, just one of the absolute profound unmistakable statements that Jesus says. Verse 58, he says, Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Truly, truly, first of all, the, the Hebrew people uh, in the Hebrew language, Jesus, this is recorded in Greek. Jesus likely, likely spoke this in Greek and he's also uh, fluent in Hebrew and Hebrew culture. And in Hebrew, they didn't have an exclamation point, was just not a part of their language, not a part of their cultural communication. And, um, and so they would repeat things. They would emphasize things. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Like they're not just kind of like, hey, that's a good practice. It's just the way that they spoke was to emphasize that. So Jesus saying, truly, truly, He's, I'm about to tell you true truth. Before Abraham was, I am. So Jesus in the first century in Jerusalem is telling them that he was in, in existence, that he was, he was around before Abraham who lived in 2000 BC. So, so he, is, he is saying that the person that you're looking at right now, I am well over 2,000 years old. And he could have said, he could have said, before Abraham was, I was. Or before Abraham, I was. Or something like that. Like he could say that. But instead he said, before Abraham was, I am. And this takes us straight to Exodus chapter three. And remember, they even brought Moses up into it. And so in Exodus three, God has revealed himself to Moses and Moses is getting ready to go to the Jewish people and tell them that God has raised him up to lead the people as God is setting them free. And they say, what should we, 
uh, Moses says, what should I say your name is? Like, who should I tell them is sending me? And, and he, he says here, uh, tell them I am has sent you. That's in Exodus 3. Tell them I am has sent me to you. And, and that means uh, that it like 100% speaks to how God is eternal. Um, he like I could say, hey, I was born in 1978. Uh, that's true. I was born in 1978. Um, if if you say, hey, how old are you? And I just say, I am. I, I'm saying I I always have been. I I I can't ever tell you a was. I was born in 1978 because if I took you back to my beginning we would never arrive somewhere because what it means to be eternal doesn't just mean you have no end, but it also means you have no beginning. Uh, you would be like, like forever if you had a beginning and no end, uh, which is what humans are. We're created and we will never stop existing. We'll exist in one of two places. So we could say we're immortal, um, but only God can say he is eternal, meaning he has no beginning. And that is why he could say, I am. So Jesus is not just saying, oh, I'm, I'm super old. I'm older than Abraham. He's also saying, I am eternal. I am God. Who you are speaking to, who you are slamming, who, who you are just, um, just being super rude to over and over and over again. And you are worshiping God, but you are spitting in the face of God who is standing right in front of you. And their response... Once again, perfect time for them to fall on their faces, perfect time for them to give their lives to their creator, give their lives to their God, who is proving his love for them to even have a conversation with them. And their response instead of repentance and faith is verse 59. So they picked up stones to throw at him. They had such a preconceived idea of the way that God would relate to them that when not their fantasy of God, but the real God arrives just as he did in Abraham's life and Abraham fell on his face, gave his life to him and found life. But these people have such a preconceived idea that they would rather kill God, the real God, and keep their fantasy God who isn't real, then humble themselves and be taught by God and let God reform them, reteach them, and uh, for them to be led by him and not be the king of their own castle and all of that garbage. So verse 59, so they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. It wasn't his time yet. He was able to just slip away it wasn't Jesus' time there. It's our time now. It's our time for response. It's our time to walk with the ancient of days. Uh, life can just be so hard, so challenging. Um, I, I think most people would say that the last probably year or two years have maybe have been some of the most challenging years uh, to what it means to be in community uh, just with cancel culture with uh, sickness with um with just all all sorts of hard things to say man i've i've never 
I've never lived in an age like this. I've never had to navigate the things that I've had to navigate in this age. But when we look to Jesus, the ancient of days, he has been the perfect savior of all ages. And this does not freak him out. He is not running around saying, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Um, he actually delights to have us say that. <laughs> he delights for us to say, I, I can't be my own savior. I can't save my family. I can't save my community, um, but I can follow you. I can be on mission with you. He's been the perfect savior of all ages and he invites us today to, to follow him, for him to be the center of our lives. Not, not some part of our life that, that we just kind of add on, but for him to actually be the center of our life that's allowing the rest of our life to be empowered by him, uh, to find our peace in him, to find our meaning in him, our identity in him, being saved by him. If we don't put our trust in him, we die in our sin and we see death, a, a deeper more disturbing form of death than even uh, we can conceive of. Um, when we give our life to him, we see life. And, and he sa even tells us, I'm the light of the world. And following him, we have the light of life. So it's not just for in the future, but for today as well as, as we walk with him. So instead of picking up stones to throw at him, man, I would just encourage all of us to just pick up our life and throw it on him, uh, on, on the cross. Uh, giving our life to him is our best response for us to be made most alive. And um, individually is something that each of us are called to do. Uh, then as we give our lives to him, we're built into a church and in this unusual way that we're gathering on Facebook today. But I'd really encourage us um, not to hold back not to approach him on our own terms, but to let him define our terms and, and, and for him to define the, the way that he has designed us to flourish in him. Uh, then, uh, Lord willing, next Sunday, let's gather together. Let's invite friends. Um, we, will, we will go through all of chapter nine is the plan right now for next Sunday and uh, continue to, to let him light up our world and let him uh, be the brightness that our world so desperately needs, our community needs, our families need, and we need. So Lord, I just thank you for this morning. I thank you for allowing us uh, just the technology to be able to be together in this way. Would you give us creativity to serve each other, to love each other, to, to lock arms together? And Lord, I, I do thank you uh, that people are recovering and we pray that they would continue to recover completely. And Lord, would you bring us together? Uh, but Lord, would we right now just be coming to you? For your glory, we pray. Amen.